What up, what up, what up everyone? This is Andrew Combo Salop, and you're now listening to On The Board Sports. And welcome back to another edition of On The Board Sports. I am your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. We'll see coming to you from Gotham Podcast Studios in Manhattan, New York, here on Wednesday, January 29, 2020. And I am joined by Spencer, who is our wonderful producer, controlling the ones and twos behind the glass here at Gotham. And I'm also joined by my main man, Sean Thomas, who is in studio finally after what? Since August, just about? August. That's embarrassing. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, so here. Hey, listen, that's okay. Things happen of, you know, working wise, things get caught up in personal the way. life. All personal of life. I get it 100%. But you're here. That's what matters the most. And do you know what also matters the most, Will? Who's more happy than us on a Wednesday, Will? Camel on hump day? A camel on hump day, Will. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but we are also joined by a very special guest. Joining us from the sportschill.com is the one and only Jimmy Randazzo, the CEO of the Sports Chill. Jimmy, yeah. how are you? I'm excellent, Will. How are you? Sean, nice to meet you. Jimmy, thank you for taking some time, sir. I'm just going to give a little credit to Will right here. Yes. He might be one of the hardest workers in sports media. Jimmy, can we the clap that up, please? Can we clap that up, please? grinds 24-7. Yes. I respect it. Yes. And he's always on. He's kills it. He All does. the time. Kills it. He's been killing it. I, one of the best Islanders follows in the game. Yes. Truthfully. Yes. He and is. he's got, what, he's got seven... Seven or eight, I know it's bad radio, but seven or eight uh, Kobe Bryant jerseys. He's got a couple hanging. He's got one wearing. <laughs> this guy lives and breathes sports. So I'm glad to be here. Love the setup, and I'm excited to talk about whatever. Hey, Jimmy, if it wasn't for Will, this show would not be here. Oh, I, I believe Will that. Will is the brain of the body that runs the show. So, And I make sure to tell you that all the time. I know you do. Don't I, Will? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, but I really do appreciate that. But, Jimmy, dude, you see my posts all the time with the Islanders, the Jets, the Yankees. We met up. Actually, it's a funny story how Jimmy and I met up. Mm -hmm. You know, when you went viral on Barstool and all over the world, when you had the infamous Garrett Cole Game 3 rant at Yankee Stadium when you were sitting right behind home plate, uh, for that very important playoff game, you know, I saw it. And I said to myself, it, how can I meet you? How can I meet you? And then <laughs> Keith McPherson. I love Keith McPherson. Keith is my guy. Keith, Shout out Keith. Keith is a really good dude. He found you. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me reach out to let me reach out to Jimmy. And then we met at game five of the ALCS. We sat together and it was really a fun time. You were you were the good luck charm. We were down, you came over, and, you know, we were just going to, you know, take a picture, meet and greet, uh, and I was like, no, you're staying here now. I'm very, <laughs> very, very superstitious when it comes to baseball, and Will had it. Honestly, it was just good luck. We were there, and I was like, I need to get a hold of this guy. Now we're doing stuff together with the Islanders. Isles chill, he killed it. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, there's a, there's a lot of things that people maybe not even misconstrue, but that I kind of want to set forward. I wasn't at that game to go viral. I never do anything to go viral. Right. I mean, there are easier ways to do things. Do I get silly and do some things, eat hot dogs? For sure. For sure. But that was me as a fan right. there 
I mean, now we know that – I mean, Garrett Cole is ours now, and it has, has kind of come full circle. Mm-hmm. I mean, but at the same time, if you're at a playoff game, this is a memo to any baseball fan and actually any sports fan. If you're at a sporting event in the playoffs and you are not cheering your team off on, get out. Just get out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. Go to regular season games, spend $7, you know, take out the kids, do whatever you want. But there's no reason, especially in the Bronx, especially in the Bronx, not to be going nuts. Especially in October, too. (laughs) Especially in October. You know, I remember going, I know you were probably there for all the playoff games since 2015. I know I've been there since, uh, since 2015. When they made it to the wild card against the Astros, where they beat the uh, the Twins in the wild card, how it got loud when Didi hit that home run to tie it in the first inning. That they were down three nothing, and then you go out there against the Houston against the Astros in that series. Cleveland was crazy in 2017 when they played up against them. Then 2018 it was loud. Then too, but this year it was just nuts because they were down. They were up. And then they were down when they went to Yankee Stadium. And after that game, during that game five, I'll never forget looking at those empty seats during game five of the 2019 ALCS because A, the team was down 3-1 and nobody wanted to see them get eliminated during that time. But B, you look at how much tickets go for during the postseason runs. It is crazy expensive to go out there and, you know, whether I remember three years ago for the wild card game, it was like 50 bucks face value to get a wild card ticket. Now, for for the playoff game back for uh, the ALCS, it cost me like almost 200 bucks. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Just to sit up in the upper deck. And then the prices dropped the game up to like 40 bucks. <laughs> I, no, and, and I'm all for – no, listen. I'm all for like franchises making their money. It's a kind of embarrassing the way that Yankee Stadium is set up now with the bar underneath. And honestly, it's fine during the regular season. It's perfectly fine. Like – but when it comes to the playoffs and you have people sitting downstairs beneath the bar and there are empty stadiums and I'm sitting, you know, I, I mean, empty I'm sitting seats. between Mike Francesa and Kate Upton and no one's standing, no one's screaming, no one's doing anyone. And, and there are people that I had seen from the twin series that were up in the 200 second section because that's where I was for games one and two of the twins uh, series. Mm-hmm. They were down with me, but they weren't cheering. They were business that day. Mm. And that's what really hurts because they muted themselves to go to a baseball game. And, and you know, and then we have the whole thing where the guy was – people were filming me. And do you think I care? I mean, I clearly <laughs> do not care about – Not at all. What anyone cares, what anyone thinks. As long – and, like, I wasn't cursing. I wasn't out there, like, be respectful. Like, they were telling me to sit. Yankee security was telling me to sit during a playoff game. I don't understand it. And, Jimmy, yeah, because at the end of the day, I agree with you. Of game number 120, who cares if, if you're sitting, standing, blah, blah, blah. Game two, game one of any the wild card DSCS, you better be a standing. Matter of fact, the first hockey game, I went with Will. Jimmy, I made the mistake of sitting down. And Will gave me this look like, what the hell are you doing, bro? And I stood up the rest of that game. So I uh, understand. Speaking of the team in the Bronx, I'm a fan of the Mets, so I refuse to say the team name. But anyway, (laughs) speaking of that team, 
obviously they've been in the news, Jimmy, because the Astros have been in the news with the cheating and the and the socks and so on and so forth. Just speak about how frustrated you were or are at the fact that it was confirmed that they did cheat and guys got fired and they got banned and obviously Yankees were affected by that. So just speak about how you felt when those things started to you know, spread. So there, there's something that I always say when people tell me, oh, like you hate me or something. I always say there's only one thing I hate in this world, and that's the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> we have added the Houston Astros to that <laughs> list. Agreed. There are two things now. And <laughs> and the Red Sox are still above them. Of but what the Houston Astros did is a travesty because – and. I know Rob Manfred and I'm not going to speak on – because it's impossible to be a commissioner in sport when something tumultuous like this happens. They don't want to ban the players. I mean it's so obvious that there should be an asterisk on that um, on that World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm up in 2019. I'm getting ready to go to game seven in Houston. I have my – I'm ready to press uh, – buy on the plane tickets mm-hmm. for and I mean we find out that I mean I think there's close to an 80 85 percent chance that Altuve was wearing something mm-hmm. whether or not they were covering up that's a completely different question but I mean he had to be wearing something right. it was so obvious when he's when Jose Altuve that rat is <laughs> circling third base and he's telling them no, don't take off my jersey when the guy is notorious for getting his jersey torn off during games and then he runs with a new shirt and then changes, the first person to change, and then he comes back. I mean, what's going on? And now you have people like Alex Bregman. Oh, I don't know what's going on. And then you have, uh, you know, now you have guys like coming out and admitting it. But Justin Verlander, let me speak on him for a second. (laughs) This guy is the biggest Hypocrite in the world. He was the one in 2015 crying, crying about cleaning up the game. And then he's at the awards dinner last weekend in front of CeCe Sabathia, no less, making jokes about how analytical and, uh, you know, the computer behind the Houston Astros. Like, so that I just hate hypocrites. And at the end of the day, like, sure, maybe more teams were cheating than others, but like, Something has to happen because the Yankees and the Dodgers were affected. People's lives were affected. Um, like more importantly, like actual players. Uh, one of the players gave up seven runs who was battling Chris back. Me- Chris Medlin. Chris Medlin was come, mm-hmm. gave up seven runs. His career was over mm-hmm. against the Astros. Yep. Were they cheating that game? Who knows? Honestly, who knows? Mm-hmm. So, like, I can sit here and, like, we're spoiled as Yankees fan. You said you were a Mets fan. We're spoiled as Yankees fans. And I'm, and I'm like, I tell that every, every day. We are. <laughs> but the integrity of baseball is much more important than who won the game because going forward, you don't – like you don't want – and that's what really affects me is you don't want um, – these kids mm-hmm. are che- – how are you not going to take the title away? They admitted they cheated and now you have these kids looking up to these cheaters. And, and I'm not saying like – honestly, it's a baseball game. With everything that came around today, too, like uh, with the with the whole Kobe news and everything, like I reeled it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still I'm still on the front, uh, like you know, I'm you know, I'm not gonna let it go completely. But there are much more important things in life than like cheating in a in a baseball game. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, 
there has to be repercussions, and I didn't see enough from you. That's the next question I was going to ask. So I'm assuming that you were not thrilled or you were not uh, satisfied with Hinch losing his job and the GM losing his job and other guys, or do you feel like they need to do more, or do you feel like it for now it's fine? So I was perfectly fine with it, and then I saw that video of Altuve. <laughs> and that video of Altuve is way – like they said they investigated it. There's absolutely no way. Right. There's no way they investigated that fully. And I'm not saying – I'm saying that things are hidden. Same way the Patriots cheated. There are things that were covered up even by Goodell at the time or mm-hmm. Tagliabue, whoever it was, in 2001. But mm-hmm. I think – like. The Red Sox haven't uh, hired a manager yet because they still don't know what the repercussions for the Red Sox are right now. So now we're just all sitting here like kind of just waiting for Manfred to speak on the Boston Red Sox and what was Alex Cora really doing and what should have really happened to Carlos Beltran. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're we're seeing that Dusty Baker, our favorite grandpa, he's going to be coaching (laughs) the Astros. And honestly – that's fine. They had to do something like that. You can't hire some like hot shot uh, manager. You have to go doing something. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all going to remember that that 2017 World Series trophy is a participation trophy. Right. But Alex Cora was doing it with the Red Sox and the Red Sox are not getting enough brunt. So I think something has to change. And I agree because, well, that season. Didn't they win like 110 games? They won 108 games. 108. I was there. It was I was ridiculous. Listen, I, <laughs> Jimmy, I, you were probably there for games three and four of the ALDS that year. I was I was there too for that. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I always came on this show. I always came on this show and I said I was there for batting practice. And I saw them. They were hitting the opposite way. They were going out. They were contact hitting. Yankees were hitting the home runs. Now it just makes me look at things differently after seeing all this happen. You know, with the pitches, Luis Severino in game three, not knowing the time and all that stuff. And then you see them going off for 16 runs in in game three. Game four, they were close. Glaber Torres almost beat out the throw. Uh, who was it? Nunez or mm-hmm. Devers at third base, right? It was, I think, I believe it was Nunez. Right. I, I, I don't, no, no, no. Nunez was playing second. It was right. Devers, you're right. Yeah, Devers throwing out Torres at the final out, and they almost basically. Uh, gave Craig Kimbrell a run for his money for game four. But it was just nuts. And then to see that happen, and then to see the Mets, and I feel bad for every Mets fan because they get put through so much shit. It's almost like the mid-90s Islanders. This had nothing to do with us, and yet we're still in it. Right, but still don't. But still don't. It's crazy. You know, it's crazy what had happened. My question for you, though, Jimmy, is with the Yankees, okay, I know Major League Baseball has come out and said that they're not going to investigate the Yankees, but there will be something down the road, and this is a Yankee fan talking to a Yankee fan, where in the back of my mind, something might happen in the future with the Yankees and what might... What might get pro- prosecuted? Your your answer to that is Sh- sure, but the Yankees didn't win. I, I mean, first of all, there is empirical evidence that the Houston Astros cheated. I get that one, but you're saying what would happen if the Yankees cheated? Yeah, I mean, then th- then they cheated, but like I don't know if they. I don't know. Like I really don't think they did because of. 
the way that Judge came out with everything, the way that Glaber came out with everything, the tweets and, oh, really, this happened and all that. The Apple Watch is one thing, but to have the camera going directly to to know exactly what pitch. Yeah. I mean, there's cheating and then there's cheating. And I think they just went over and beyond. So, I mean, I don't really know. Like, I can't def- – I, like, I would never defend the Yankees for cheating. But 2017, I went to every single postseason game. Me too. 2018, I went up to Boston. For game two, when they lost to sale game one, Friday night, I packed my stuff. Saturday morning, I drove up there for game two. We beat them, and I, and I drove back down ready for game three. I'm physically exhausted from the cheaters. Like, honestly, if they had just won fair and square, but it just all made sense. And, like, I, I love baseball. I've been watching baseball, and I usually have – I'm like – pinpoint accurate when it especially when it comes to the playoffs and i felt something was off i truly did i didn't know why i was like why are we killing them in, in 2017 ev- like i was eight rows back it wasn't cold that time it was uh charlie morton who i was yelling at or wh- whomever to but i could tell they were shook and they just were so calm at home and it didn't really make sense and Again, again, obviously the players who lost their jobs over it or whatever, but like, right. you, you know, the trajectory of on the board sports, the trajectory of the sports chill mm-hmm. could have been completely different. I mean, I mean, you said it before. I went viral, whatever. It's good. I was in the post, whatever. And, and what, that's fine and well and everything. But imagine the trajectory of what was going on. Like I was getting searched hundreds and hundreds of times during that run, like, and I, like, I, my, my stats were up and everything was up. And honestly, like I was getting reached out from players and people everywhere. And like, who knows where I would be right now if if the 2019 Astros hadn't cheated. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I know that's a big me, 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 me thing. But no, like, but pseudo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like uh, what would happen? You mentioned uh, Barstool Sports before. What would happen to Barstool Sports if the Patriots hadn't cheated? Mm-hmm. They might not be in the same position they are right now. Right. So... Uh, it's important if you're doing what you do, what you love. If the Islanders win, you're going to go off and you're going to – and it's so it's a direct correlation to what I've been doing for the past five years. Right. And the fact that the most important team for what I've been doing for five years has been cheated on the entire time and we were looked as, oh, they couldn't get it done, this, that. Let's go get this guy. Let's go get this that guy. Uh Joe Girardi is in Philadelphia now. Like he should be with the Mets, but that's another story for that another is day, another Jimmy. story. No, but like, <laughs> but like, so like, just the domino effect mm-hmm. of everything that happens because of these guys' decisions. And again, they cheated in a game in a sport that we love. We're all fanatics in here. I know that for sure. But at the same time, something has to give. And if you know that they cheated, like. AJ Hinge is gone. Luno's gone. Alex Cora's gone. Beltran. But why? Beltran's gone. But why aren't the titles vacated? Right. Uh, I, and I, I'm pretty sure, like the blacks, uh, the Black Sox, right? When like, well, the Reds won it that year. But yeah. But, but like, it needs to be noted in the history books. It will that be. you can't that you can't do this stuff. And 
that's what I'm really upset about. And and I hate to keep name dropping, but if I didn't know Rob personally, I would I would be at the MLB offices with my hands chained to a pole or something because that's what I believe in. I truly do. But I have to calm down because at the end of the day, it's okay. No, no, no. I have to calm down because at the end of the day, it's just sports. Right. And I hate right. saying that, but it it is. Mm-hmm. We we are very passionate about that. Speaking about things that we are all passionate about, on that hoodie, it says the sports chill, Jimmy. Yes. Can you tell the fans, what do you do at the sports chill? How did it all come about? So in 2015, I was working at, uh, with an, at an office supply company, and um, I was living with my grandma at the time, um, and she was like, you have to be in sports. You just really have to be in sports. <laughs> so I was like, all right. I, I was writing I was writing for some publication, doing fantasy stuff, and we were hitting week after week after week. N- NFL uh, FanDuel was winning thousands. I don't know why. Like, we were hot. Like, I was winning thousands of dollars picking the tight ends and everything, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right. And we were looking at the, 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 site, the, the website Insights, and I was 90% of the thing, so I was like, Honestly, love you guys. I appreciate it for everything that you're doing for me. But, like, I outgrew you guys kind of. And right. <laughs> they understood. Um, so I started the sports chill in March 15th of, um, of 2015. We'd, we, I got, had a lot of writers. We were doing everything great. Um, and I was inspired um, j- just by, like, the attitude that my grandma had always. And she had passed, she passed away, like, a year later. But I kept on doing it. CBS Sports liked what I was doing. So I got hired there. Um, they told me I could continue doing it. I was doing podcasts at the time. Um, a couple of people that were very close to me died. Um, so I stopped. I didn't want a podcast anymore. So I just continued with the website and um, the, the Instagram page. I was like, you know, whatever. We'll just keep on going with it. Um, I actually was, I've been podcasting a couple of times. We're doing some demo stuff. For new stuff, I'm launching um, an umbrella podcast soon. Awesome. But like little by little, we're building. And um, the the 2020 Yankee season is going to be really the start of the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, ultimately, what I'd like to have is people that re- – like there are passionate people. Like I could not – say to no uh no to will to run an islanders page for the sports show because he has passion there are people out there that are passionate and i don't care how good or bad these people like at the end of the day like there are people that i get all the time like i'll say like if they if they if they um oh i have like the giants show coming out on instagram soon and there were people that sent me stuff and they were just weren't that good i was like listen this doesn't mean that right now you can't work with me it just means get better. I'll find something for you. But as long as they're showing me something, we're going to build. And there's no doubt in my mind that eventually I'll leave CBS Sports and I will do this full time. Um, they're like literally zero doubt. They're like, it's in my bones. I feel it when the Yankees win. It, the trajectory will be like crazy. But at slow and st- I'm taking still a slow and steady approach. Awesome, bro. Awesome. Absolutely. You know, Jimmy, you, you said it right there, man. You know, you look at everything right now since 2015 with the Sports Chill, and you've been hired by CBS and everything like that. You know, did you ever see yourself? I know your grandmother 
who's a bit, who was a big fan of yours. Right. Okay. You know, looking at it, kid you. You look at you. If you got to see ten-year-old you, uh-huh. and ten-year-old you says, "I'm proud of you," what would you say to him? The ten-year-old ten-year-old Jan Randazzo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I mean. Well, first of all, 10-year-old Jans Randazzo is a lot cooler than 30-year-old Jans Randazzo. <laughs> first of all, so I don't know if he was saying anything like that. He'd be like, you're lazy. He would probably be telling me, you're lazy. I'm my biggest critic. So he would probably be telling me, you're lazy. You're not doing enough. There's more time in the day. Wake up earlier. Do more. Um, answer more. Uh, do this. Do that. So I don't think that even 10-year-old Jans Randazzo would be proud of himself. So I'm not even going to sit here and lie like, I think that even though last year was quote unquote successful, I am not like happy for one second. And I think that's the attitude that, I mean, you're wearing the jersey right now. I think that's the attitude that Kobe will want. I think that's the attitude that all winners at the end of the day have. If you're satisfied for one second, there are people out there that are doing 10 times better than you and they are less satisfied. So I think that approach is really important. Speaking of Kobe Bryant, you, you hit it right there. We had on uh, on our previous episode, we had on the Lakers sign guy who is very well known at Laker games holding up signs, just like our Islanders sign guy, Patrick Dowd. Uh, Gary Zellman, he came on and he talked Lakers and he talked about Kobe. What did Kobe Bryant mean for you? So when I was younger, um, I mean, I, I mean, I, we all played video games. I, Kobe Bryant, the Lakers were my team. I was personally a Shaq guy. So I was crushed a little bit when they broke up. I didn't really understand. I was like 12 years old. I I was like a fan of Shaq. Mm -hmm. But deep down inside, his correlation with, excuse me, Derek Jeter is crazy. Um, There's no, there's no one you can respect more than Kobe Bryant. Um, Five championships in 20 years. He stayed there every single year. When everybody broke up, he stayed there. He was on a team losing to the Suns with Sasha Vujicic. I like, remember that. You know what I mean? Yep. Like th- That team was so bad, and they tried so many things. And he just kept on working. And I think the most important thing that people will never realize with Kobe Bryant is um, how – he wasn't it, – it's not really if you win a championship. It's how you win the championship. It's a journey. It's, it's the journey. But he left – it was so easy with him and Shaq. That was too easy. Like they were – him winning alone and building that team up alone was more important than any of those four other combined. Th- those championships, there's nothing you can take away and then you have – you know, the thought process of he was going to change the WNBA with his daughter, right. Gianna. Right. Um, and he was such a good father. You could tell that immediately how important women's sports was to him. And he was really going to change a lot of things. And you could just tell that he was ha- – like because he was not ever satisfied as a player. And I love that about him. But he was so happy when he was with that girl – and that's why, like, the first news came out that Kobe had passed. It was gut-wrenching. But when the Gianna thing happened, I was pretty inconsolable. Like, I was shocked, utterly shocked. Um, and it really just stinks because I had a friend pass away, and 
uh, survived by his parents. And there's nothing worse than that in the world. Seeing parents lose a child, there is nothing worse in the world. And that's why my heart goes out to the, the like Lakers Nation. But that woman, uh, Vanessa. V, Vanessa V, I mean, my heart goes out to her. High school sweethearts, 20 years. That's the worst thing in the world. That really is. And that is crushing. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, that's why I always say, you know, we have to live in live in the moment now. We can't worry about Friday. Tomorrow's Thursday. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to focus on now because we may not get to Friday. We may not get to this evening We because we just never, never know. So that was very, very well said. And I could see... And correct me if I'm wrong, I can see that you run your pages, your business with that Kobe approach, with that I'm never satisfied. I don't care how much money I get, how much fame I get. There's still more money to get and there's still more fame to get to. Right. And I, I think that I think it's just like it's it's not even like it's not at the end of the day. Eventually, it'll be about the money. Of course. But of course. Right. The approach that you take every day. All a man has is his integrity. Yep. His word, yep. yep. So there are publications that are out there that know how to immediately get the click. And I could do that easily. But like yesterday, I'm trying to show these people exactly who I am. I posted something, uh, the Mighty uh, Mighty Ducks post. Emilio Estevez is going to be in a reprise role in Disney+. Plus. I knew I wasn't going to get clicks there. But that's who I am, and that's who I'm trying to show the people who I am. Because as we built to a bigger degree, that the people need to know exactly where I'm coming from as a person. Because when I have 20 people working for me, 40 people working, 100 eventually, I want those people to be like, all right, well, and as much as I want them to be themselves, truly and honestly, right. I want them to, to bring that integrity. Like, the, I mean, and we we're saying it. Life is way too short. Like, you have to do what's right. You have to work as hard as you can. You have to. What would Jimmy V say? Uh, you, you live. I mean, think, you, think, laugh, cry. Yeah, exactly. Think, laugh, cry, yeah. You have to do these things. And if, and that's really what the problem is with the Twitter sphere in 2020, and everybody's saying, "Okay, boomer," and this and that, and. I don't think there's – I truly don't think there's a not not a love, enough love in the world. So if I'm losing insights because I'm telling the people that are following me that I love them, that's perfectly fine. If that's going to be the difference between me being here and, and me being uh, you know, level 10 as opposed to level 100, I, I can sleep well at night knowing that. And I'm going to – but my promise, my promise is that I am going to work harder. I haven't been able to to talk on a microphone in so long. It took me two and a half years to even be like, all right, I'll talk again after the passing of my friend. And mm-hmm. now, I mean, I'm obviously ready now. And, you know, it, it just takes a little bit of time and of process. Course. But of course. there's no doubt in my mind that, like, the sky is the limit. And same goes for you guys. Like, you guys, me coming in here with you guys, I, I'm inspired by you guys sitting here on a Wednesday you guys are jacked up, ready to go. Did a podcast before I even came in here. Like that is what I'm talking about. I love that. I really do. And like, and that's the attitude that we need to have. And we need to show to the younger kids of our generations. Like, 
Exactly. It's okay to, you know, it's okay to be a garbage man. It's okay to be this, that, the other thing. I'm blessed and I'm thankful that I do get to do sports 24-7, 365. But at the same time, we should be an outlet for them and we should grow and inspire them. So, I mean, that's really what I want to bring to this next generation. And if, if that if that doesn't correlate with them, that's going to be perfectly fine with me. Well said, bro. Well said, Jimmy. And and I heard you mention before that you're, that you're starting the Giants chill. I assume you're a Giants fan. I am. So let's talk about them for a little uh, second here. Okay. Obviously, head coach now is uh, Joe Judge. I felt they should have went the Mike McCarthy route, the Ron Rivera route. I wasn't too fond of um, uh, Matt Rule. So I, so I felt they should have went Rivera, McCarthy, somebody else. So they bring Joe Judge in. And obviously, in Eli, he hangs it up. He brought two Bowls here. Can you just talk about, one, Joe Judge, how, how you feel about him being the coach? And number two, how will you remember number 10? All right. So I'm going to go with number 10 first because mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll go that way. Uh, mm-hmm. Eli Manning, surefire Hall of Famer. We can talk all we want about the regular season numbers. But when you beat the greatest franchise in the history of sports in the New England Patriots, I hate to say it because uh, Tom Brady, you know, we're not huge fans of Tom Brady. Tom Brady. But when you do something like that, as it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. Like Tom Brady would have had eight championships. Eli Manning, yeah. he, and exactly what I was talking about, he did it the correct way. Honorable, respect. In a city that is impossible to avoid the media, he always did it the right way. And that's what I'm going to, like, honestly respect the most about Eli Manning. Clearly, at the end of his career, he shouldn't have been out there the last three years. Right. But no one's going to remember. Like, the the haters of the world will remember that he's 117 and 117 um, in the regular season. But in 10 years from now, 15 years from now, people are going to remember the Tyree catch and the Manningham catch. And – um how he led the teams and how much the defense even respected him. Like the same thing goes for um, Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about Jimmy G. And I know we'll probably touch on it later, but everybody's talking about Jimmy G. Like, uh, I don't know, his numbers aren't good. He only had 88 passing yards. He only had to do what he had to do. Of course. They were winning. He he has actually his numbers, um, before I go on a tangent, his his numbers are when trailing are the best. In the NFL, wow! In 2019 season, mm-hmm. but now onto the Giants for the um, the head coaching decision. Joe Judge, Joe Judge. <laughs> I did not know who Joe Judge was. <laughs> You're not the only one. Nobody dude. did. <laughs> You're not the only one, dude. <laughs> Having said that, the way that guy talked during his press conference had me wanting to run through a brick wall. They were calling. They're, they're calling him Baby Belichick, Tommy 2.0. Um, the Giants were losing games because of clock management, because of scheming. And like, that's what really kills me the most. And just to have a guy that, that was with Bill Belichick day after day after day, went to meetings with him, was groomed, was with Nick Saban. I mean, how can I say no to that? Um, I think that, I think it's the perfect hire when you bring in, like, as much as I make fun of Jason Garrett and, and, you know, we can sit here all day and say he did a terrible job as a head coach, 
He did a great job as offense coordinator with Dallas. Yep. And then um, – so then people are saying, oh, everybody's making fun of us for bringing in Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens was basically the CEO, head coach of the, the Browns. Now he's like the 10th man in charge for the Giants. Tight ends coach. <laughs> I mean, it really shouldn't be that difficult to teach Evan Ingram how to block correctly and do those <laughs> things. He just wasn't that kind of guy. And, you know, you bring in the guy from uh, Miami who was also with Belichick. He's bringing in guys uh, that know how to teach. And they're, and they're kind of like taking demotions. So, you know, like it's one thing to be, you know, it's one thing to be the starting point guard for a team. But when – you're the starting point guard for the Knicks, and then you're the ba- or the third point guard on the Lakers. It's a huge difference. That's you know, it's, you're just making your franchise better. Brett Bielma um, came over to coach the linebackers, so you're just getting a whole bunch of knowledge. And I think it's going to pan out because he is a special teams coach, like Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a, Harbaugh was the last one who was coached right. uh, that that was brought in. So I think it's I think it's going to be a good move. I truly do. You look at your running backs coach too. New running backs coach. He was with Arkansas too, right? Uh, Alabama. Alabama. Excuse yes. me. He's got great history with all these running backs, and he's going to have Saquon Barkley as his as his new toy. That's pretty amazing, right there. Absolutely. And I'm giving the Giants process one year because. Their defense is so abysmal. <laughs> like, truly, it's it's it horrific. Is. It is. Um, there is no pass rush. You can't win games if you can't rush the passer. So the, the Giants could go 5-11 and 11 next year. They could go 6-10. and 10, They could go 4-12. and 12. Maybe they'll win seven games. They're not ready to compete with even the Cowboys or the Eagles. It's sad to say because that's not even that good of a division. Uh, I would be shocked if they did. But at the end of the day, the coaches make – Coaches are very important, but the players are going to decide whether or not you make the playoffs. So I could sit here all day like Pat Shermer, as much as I think that his clock management decisions were terrible and he didn't get rah-rah the guys enough and all that, his entire defense was abysmal. (laughs) Correct. And he had 11 rookies. Yeah, that's true. Jimmy, I want to, before we go on to the Super Bowl, we got to yeah. talk about the other New York team that plays at MetLife, the Jets. Absolutely. Okay? I am, you like I said, you see my posts with me and my Jets suit and Jet jerseys, everything like that. I am, I love my Jets, okay? Me and Sean, we've had a little bit of, a, not a argument, but it was more like a debate where he wanted Mike McCarthy. Did I want Mike McCarthy? Sure, I did. But you know, <laughs> sometimes you got to go after something different. And Adam Gase, to me was something different because of the fact that here you have the Jets for the past 20 years go defensive-minded first with all these head coaches, whether it be Herm Edwards, Al Groh, could have been Bill Belichick, but he left after a day. I know, right. you, I know you, you're with Brandon Tierney all the time talking Jets, right. you know what I mean? But And then you have Rex Ryan, you have Eric Mangini, then you have Todd Bowles, and now you have this offensive-minded first coach here. Everybody keeps on talking about the quarterback whisperer. I don't want to hear about, you know, the first year and, you know, the whole offensive line. And then Sam Darno, he was hurt for the first, you know, four games of the year, you know, after he came out of the Buffalo game during the home opener. Uh, what do you see the Jets doing next year? So I was actually, I was, as as you were coming up with the question, I thought that, I thought you were going to ask me, 
the whole thing was Sam Darnold was not healthy for 16 games. We can – I think Greg Williams is an excellent defensive coach. Mm-hmm. I think Adam Gase is fine. I think he might be a little bit weird. I don't know how well he connects with his players. But Darnold was hurt. Um, I don't know if he is the right guy for Darnold. I will sit here and say that. I I thought the hire was fine. But um, – excuse me for a second. When you – Go up to the media in New York and you're sitting there and you are looking like a robot. That doesn't resonate. You can do that in Kansas City. You can do that in a bunch of places. But when you're in New York, everything is going to be scrutinized to the nth degree. And he apparently none of these players like him. He just ticks people off. Is he, does he have a good does he have a good offensive mind? Yes. I mean, even Peyton endorsed him. I just don't know right now. I do, I believe in the Jets as a as like the owner down, but like I don't believe in Adam Gase. I truly don't. Mm-hmm. I think their roster is going to be fine. You know, I think they have to go after go out and get an offensive lineman, a wide receiver. Their defense is clearly fine, like it perfectly fine. But at the end of the day, until Belichick and the Patriots crumble, you see Josh Allen. I mean, that guy could have been the uh, that guy could have been the AFC Championship game. I mean, could have. I mean, terrible coaching by. I mean that that game that yeah, Houston, that Houston Texan, game. Yeah, that game that was, was insanity. That was bad. Um, <laughs> so you guys are in a, t- a lot tougher spot. If the New York Jets were in the NFC East, I could say yeah, 30 percent chance that you can win the division. It's really difficult to sit here and to lie to uh, little brother. That's what it is, it really, is. at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah I agree is. with that. Um, about where I see the direction of the franchise because I want the Jets to do well. That helps the sports show. I'm not going to like – I mean, it doesn't hurt me any like, – It helps Elliot across the pond too. Yeah, Elliot. Shout out Elliot in England. Damn it. <laughs> um, but you have to get past the Patriots. And you have to get past Bills now. And the Dolphins, Brian Flores, you want to talk about running through a brick wall for someone. He won five games with nobody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Including yeah, the Patriots, week 17, and in a game that they had to have. And he's got three first-round draft picks. Yeah. He's so toys, yeah. yeah. So that is kind of scary. And I think that's why I don't have that much faith in the Jets. There's no reason why Adam Gase doesn't deserve another year. Um, I don't really like the way he addresses the media, but that doesn't really matter. And I haven't like really – I haven't done – like I'll, I'll do all 22s with the Giants and I'll break down the film and I broke down the film of the Chiefs and the Niners and the Patriots and all these teams. I haven't, re- I haven't really checked out everything that I needed to of the Jets, especially not – Darnold completely. I think Darnold is a quarterback that you can absolutely win a Super Bowl with. I think that um, Greg. Honestly, I thought that I thought that Greg. I think that if Adam Gates does something wrong, I think that Greg Williams can coach the heck out of that team. I think that's what the Jets need. Jets need. Mm -hmm. They need that defensive-minded coach in that division. I think that it just changes the complexion of the division. But after twenty years, though, of seeing. Having a defensive-minded coach and then the shortcomings of the offense come out, the draft picks of defensive-minded players come first, always come through my head. Even though we know about Darrell Revis and David Harris and Sean Ellis and John Abraham throughout the years, there have been 
busts. Not but I hate using the word bust. Right. But there have been so many players like Dean Milner's. The Dean Milner's coming through. Wolf. I love my I love Muhammad Wilkerson. Okay. He was, yeah, he was good. I, great, great player when mm-hmm. he was here with the Jets. Sheldon Richardson, another guy, hustled. Same thing. But at some point in time, though, you have to retool the offense. At Absolutely. that point in time. Absolutely. And the and you look at the teams that, you know, are that are you know, a very good year after year after year. Those are the teams that they draft well. And I and I recall I think it was Shannon Sharp, I think. He said, You know why the Cowboys are having a hard time coming up with the catch to pay Zeke and Amari and Dak and so forth? Because the Cowboys the last five years have drafted excellent Dak draft pick. Zeke draft pick, that entire offensive line draft, draft pick, yep. the defensive end Byron Jones, Jalen Smith, Van, the the Cowboys have hit almost every draft the last four or five years easily. Now you come to the Jets, and to me it's like the Jets. Jimmy, what do the Jets do? They fire their GM after free agency. That's right. <laughs> after the draft, my team's a that is a complete mess, man. No, <laughs> no, but like honestly, like but I will bring it. Keep on bringing it back. The best run organization, whether they're cheaters or not, is the Patriots, and you're, they're in the same division. So it's really unfair for me to sit here mm-hmm. saying that the Jets haven't done even – like it's fine to say that they haven't done a great job. That is perfectly fine. But it's really hard to say like, oh, the Jets haven't done fine. Like, they're fine. It's just they're playing against a, a, a team, a franchise – in this 20-year span that's been better than any NFL franchise in the same division. And the fact that they did go through those years with Rex Ryan and beat the Patriots, right. that shows a lot. And honestly, like, I, I like going forward for the Jets, they need to get to Tom Brady. And that's why I continue to preach about the defense. Because if you're out in the AFC West or something like that, fine. You want to go offensive-minded coach – you want to bring in Adam Gase. You want to run, you know, three wide every single time. You can you can do whatever you want. You have to get to Tom Brady, or you're not winning the division. And that's what really the problem is in the AFC East because you have to go up to Buffalo and you have to get to Josh Allen, or you're not winning the game. Right. And so at the end of the day, like, sure, like Sam Darnold can throw his way into W's. If you're not getting to the quarterback, you're not winning in that division. Speaking of winning games, Will and Jimmy, the big one <laughs> Sunday that's uh, uh, coming up. Will, I can't believe it. I had the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in our NFL prediction show. Now I had them facing the Saints, and the Saints let me down. No, but at least choice. the Chiefs are still there. Nobody, I think, before the season started had San Fran. I mean, I think San Francisco came out of uh, nowhere. So, Jimmy, Casey, San Fran, Super Bowl. What do you think of the game? Who do you think is going to win? All right. So these are – this is what I love about this Super Bowl, that actually the two best teams are in the Super Bowl. I agree, yep. We have the best quarterback in football in Patrick Mahomes versus the best te- defense in football in Hot Boys, sick, man. Hot Boys University. Yep. That's where <laughs> we're calling the 49ers. Quan Alexander said it, so we're, we're sticking with it. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going down to Miami. Nice, man. So I'll be down Enjoy. there on Thursday. Um, the biggest – I think that the the 49ers are the most complete team. And uh, before I actually get into the game, mm-hmm. 
I am the biggest Jimmy Garoppolo fan. When Belichick let him go and there was that whole rift between him and the Patriots and is he going to leave before Brady and all that, which kind of like confused them a little bit, even though they did come out and win the next year, Jimmy Garoppolo instantly became a guy that I was watching. His footwork is superb. I think he is the most still, even though he is in the big show, he is the most underrated quarterback in football because his it's his footwork. His footwork is so Brady-like. His knowledge is unparalleled. And now you get an offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan, who lost on second 11. He decided to throw the football in the Super Bowl, and we all know how that went. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, and a loss like that, you learn something from a loss like that more than anything. And I'm not saying that the 49ers are going to win this game, but I would be absolutely shocked if the Chiefs roll. I would not be shocked if the 49ers roll. I think that one other thing that people aren't giving enough credit on the Chiefs side was is their defensive line because they just went up against Derrick Henry. My Titans, I know. <laughs> I love Vrabel. I was riding with them. Thank I you, brother. Thank you, brother. Tighten up. <laughs> yes, um, sir. They stopped Derrick Henry. They did. Vrabel didn't have the best play calls. I mean, whoever was calling the game. But that's going to be the difference maker. Whether the Chiefs can stop the 49ers run. Because if the 49ers can dictate the game, this game will be out of control early. And I know that Patrick Mahomes came down, came back from a 24-0 uh, deficit, mm -hmm. but the 49ers are not the Houston Texans. You making a pick now or no? I, I, I'm going to go. No, no, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to come on and not make a pick. Who you got? Who you got? I, it, I, I've been talking about this. Like, I, I am the uh, – it's like the Florida weather, like – <laughs> I, I I think that I think the Niners are gonna win. Then I like the Chiefs because the Chiefs killed me with the Titans thing. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The 49ers are the most complete team in football, and that is why I'm going with them. Not always the best quarterback wins, and as we've seen these playoffs, Lamar Jackson didn't get it done. I like the 49ers. I like Garoppolo to get it done. I like Garoppolo, and this is not a heart pick at all. I like Garoppolo as the MVP. Right. I think he shows something. I think he throws for over 225, 230 yards, gets a couple touchdowns, takes control of the, the ball, Raheem Mustard. Big loss of Tevin, Tevin Coleman. Yeah, if Tevin Coleman loss, yeah. was in this game, yeah. I would be putting my house on the Niners. A it's a little bit team. tough. It's yeah. a little bit tough because um, Matt Breida does have the fumbling issue. So now you're going to be working Raheem Mustard. How do you like your hot dogs with Mustard? <laughs> he's going to be in the game, and now you, 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 he's going to be he's going to be pounding. But I think it'll be fine. I like the Niners. Twenty-seven, twenty-four. I'll make it quick, Will, because we're short on uh, time. I'm like you. I was going back and forth, and I was like, if San Fran did what they did in the two uh, uh, playoff games, they ran the ball down. Of a Hiking's throat, a Packers throat, uh, as you said, mustard, Coleman, Breeder, bam, 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 bam. I think that the Chiefs stopped, as you said, Henry, 19 carries, 69 yards. Derek Henry in the past two games had 69 yards on one drive. They held that to him in one game. With that being said, call me crazy. 
Jimmy, Will, if the Chiefs offensive line can block that defensive front, it's going to be a hard, hard thing to do. If they can, I think the Chiefs run away with this game. The Chiefs, and call me crazy, call me crazy, but I don't, I think that the 49ers secondary has been masked because of their defensive line. I don't think that secondary, Richard Sherman aside, I don't think that secondary has been challenged fairly enough. And the Chiefs are going to challenge them early. And, and I don't think San Fran has seen the offense that they are about to see. Tyreek Hill, Kelsey Robinson, Watkins, Williams, Shady McCoy, Patrick Mahomes, yada, yada. If the Chiefs can block San Fran, give Mahomes that extra second to roll out, to throw the ball, I can see this being a 31-21 uh, 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 type of game. I think it comes down to that. Because I don't think, as you said, Tevin Coleman is out. I don't think they'll be able to run. I think that's going to force Jimmy G to throw. And and he can throw, but I don't think this is the, the game where he could do it because I think the Chiefs are going to control the tempo if they block. That's the key thing, if they block. The, the only thing I'll say to that is – the 49ers' second best rushing offense in football. Right, it's gonna be hard to it's stop them. Be, it's gonna be hard to stop them. Right. Also, the 49ers have won low scoring games. They've won medium scoring games. They've won. They won that game against the Saints when it was like fifty to fifty, whatever right. that hundred to ninety two. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. Could, they could win in so right. many ways. Right. Having said that, you flip a coin ten times. The Chiefs are winning five times. The 49ers are winning five times. Right. So I'm not going to sit here and say that you're crazy at all, especially a 10-point game. I thought right. you were going to tell me they were going to win by 30. No, 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 no. 31-21, that 31, sounds pretty 21. good. The over-under is 54 and a half. Right, so that's um, right there, right? Yeah, yeah. it's right there. <laughs> right, yeah. I personally like the San Francisco 49ers in this game. As much as everybody's going to keep on talking about the whole – everybody's going to talk about Garoppolo going up against Mahomes. This is not that – type of game number one number two when they got emmanuel sanders there in san francisco it has changed and morphed jimmy garoppolo into becoming a way better quarterback with what he has with george kittle being there with having the three-headed monster throughout the regular season that you guys alluded to in brader mozart and coleman you know they, all, all those guys rushed for 500 yards easily you know their offensive line is actually pretty good too don't we, forget to say the fullback. Kyle Juszczyk. There you he, go. He, I think he's going to be an X factor in this <laughs> game. And I think he's going to become one of those. He's going to be like a Mike Allstott type of guy where you're going to see him. He's going to get touches. He's going to run the ball. And he's going to catch the ball out of the backfield for Jimmy G. Now, with that said, with Patrick Mahomes and for, for their offense, you cannot let him go out of the pocket and escape. To Sean's point, if... San Francisco can go out there and play a spy. All you got to do is play a spy and just go out there and literally just cover Hill. Just try and find a way to cover Hill. San Francisco easily wins this game, hands down. As much as I like Kelsey going out there at the tight end and him being a good third down producing tight end, everything like that, and with Sammy Watkins there too as well, it's going to be a close game, but I like San Francisco just because of the fact that their defensive front – is way, way, way better. And think about it like this, too, okay? This team was 4-12 and last year. This year they went 13-3. and This is the greatest, the greatest storm 
to hit. So it's pretty good. It's a pretty good thing. I like the 49ers in this game. I think it's going to be close. Maybe we're going to talk about like a six-point game, like a 27 to 21 type of game. Absolutely. That, that's that's how I feel. Absolutely. I, I, I think, and I don't think, like, I don't think that we talk about the, the head coaches enough. And I I would, if it wasn't Andy Reid and it wasn't the Chiefs who lost on that D4 play last year, I would say put all your money on the San Francisco 49ers. I just don't think that I think that Kyle Shanahan has been up every single waking hour since that 28-3 game. And I think that he is the X factor in this game. Kyle Han is Shanahan, the coach. And honestly, I think that that that's going to be the difference maker is that offensive mind. And D Ford is now on the 49ers too. And right. So he yeah. actually get into the game. Exactly. Yeah. Real, real quick, Jimmy, before we go, Absolutely. all right. We got to talk Rangers Islanders here sure. just for a couple minutes. Absolutely. Okay. Sean and I were big Islanders fans. You're a Rangers fan. I know Kay, she does a great job with Rangers show. Like, what do you see? We know what the Islanders are at this point in time. They need to score for the Rangers to get into that second wild card spot or even in the playoff picture at all, what do they have to do to get there? I mean, okay, here's the thing about the Rangers. They have three offensive weapons. They are they are bombs. They are surefire. All, I, like, I love them. The, all, uh, Panarin, um, P- Panarin, who, who are Capo they? Capo. Capo and... Uh, Not Strom. No, 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 no. Uh, Paner- uh, Panarin. You said Panarin three times uh, already. All right. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. But the problem is Zabanajet. Zabanajet. Miko. Yeah, thank you. Know. Thank you. It's been a long day. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It happens. The Rangers aren't a good hockey team. They really aren't. And this is why. They can't control the puck. They don't know how to check. And their defense is abysmal. The three goalies right now, the three-headed monster of um, Hank and Igor and – Sistorkin. Uh, yeah, thank you for helping with the names. Um, yep. The Rangers, they're going to be fine going forward. I This is Ge- not... Georgiev, I meant. Georgiev. Yeah, yeah, Georgiev. Uh, the Rangers are not a good hockey team. We can I can sit here and lie. Having said that, if they do get into the wild card spot, they are a team that can go off like the Kings because if you have Henrik... You can you can win on a hot goaltender with those three superb scores, but that defense, I am saying it. I like I've watched and I haven't watched that much hockey. I will admit that right now. Chris is doing a great job, but and she can speak more on it. But I just I don't see it. Not this year. I I think the future future is very bright. I love Quinn. I think he does a great job, uh, but I don't think it's this year. Mm-hmm. If they make the playoffs, though, there's not going to be a bigger Rangers fan in the world than me. Mm-hmm. But I usually – I'm a kind of a fair-weather Ranger fan, I will admit. Right. April comes around. I'm ready to roll. Gotcha. Um, but I'm, I'm getting re- – I'm, I'm like really excited about this, this Super Bowl. Um, and then March Madness hits. And then you're like, all right, the Ra- if the Rangers are, are there, then we'll go all in on them. If not, I think the 2021 season is going to be pretty bright. All right. So – I got I to gotta say something to you right now because beforehand we talked about Yankee Stadium being quiet right. during the playoffs, which no, in, a, no. in a, it's, it's not like the old stadium or back in 2009 right, right, and 2010, right. 11, all that stuff. It's different times. I get that. But in 2017, it was crazy there at Yankee Stadium. 
and the if the island when and if and when the Islanders make the playoffs, you got to come out to Nassau Coliseum for a game. Okay. You got to come out to Nassau Coliseum for a game. Okay. And experience a playoff crowd. <laughs> MSG, listen, MSG as nice as it is, it's quiet. It's quiet. My uncle Tony would kill me if I went to an Islanders game and rooted for them, but I will go take some notes. I'll do that for you. I mean, it's the least I can do. I will not be rude. Eh, you know what? It depends on who they're playing. If they're playing the Penguins, well, why not? New York over, over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Boston, right. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. But Washington. <laughs> yeah, like I was just brought up in a way that we hate the Islanders and whatever. But I told you again, there's only two things I hate in the world. Red Sox and Astros. The Red Sox That's and Astros. Right. I got you. Jimmy, how do they yes. follow you? Sorry, still your thunder. No, no, good, good. How do the people follow you on social media and how do the people follow the sports show? All right, so it's fairly simple. Um, at the sports show on Instagram and Twitter um, and Facebook. I don't really post on Facebook anymore. And on Twitter, I am at Jimmy Randazzo. We are coming out with new podcasts soon. Um, and honestly, shout out to Will, who, again, does a phenomenal job. Hard worker. Perfect. Perfect as an Islanders reporter. Like, honestly, couldn't ask for a better Islander perspective. So I thank you for everything you do for me. And anytime you need me to come come by, I'm here for you guys. Love it. Had a great time. Had a blast. And I respect everything you guys do. Jimmy, Jimmy, we appreciate you. I appreciate coming on. you, yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, as, um, uh, you know, uh, spending some time, and uh, hopefully, I, well, I know when is the perfect time to ask this fine, uh, uh, gentleman to come back on the show. Well, anytime, anytime, okay. exactly, anytime. exactly. <laughs> Thank anytime. you, guys. No problem. <laughs> Definitely, Jimmy. Pleasure having you on. Always, man. You're always welcome back on. And hey, look, listen. We got to collaborate on your show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome, guys. All right. So on that note, for everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studios, for Spencer, our wonderful producer, controlling the ones and twos behind the glass here at Gotham, for Jimmy Randazzo of the Sports Chill, and for my co-host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean T., I am your host, Wayne Trucci, logging out. We will talk to you guys soon. Rest in peace, peace, Kobe. Rest in peace, Kobe, indeed. Peace out, gentlemen and ladies.